This is Let's Get Real with your realtor hosts, Mallory Myers and Rob Calabro, talking real life and real estate. All right. Welcome in from the Buckeye State to the Sunshine State. This is Let's Get Real. What's up, Mallory? How are you? Hey, Rob. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, sunny day in uh, mid to late February. So um, excited to be recording today. Yeah, it's a beautiful day here too. We're, we had a little bit of a cold spurt, which to us is cold. You know, 50s is cold. Um, and we're kind of the mornings start off cold, so you're like, oh, I got to bring a jacket. And then as soon as 12 o'clock hits, it's 80 degrees, you're sweating, you got to, you know, it's all about layers. And then as soon as the sun goes down, it's cold again. I mean, it's rough here in Florida. It's terrible. You know, <laughs> we had 50 degrees and sunny uh, yesterday and everybody was out like it was middle of summer. So Yeah, I saw somebody <laughs> post that 50s and they like put an Instagram story about being 50s and wearing sandals and I was dying <laughs> like at the difference. Yeah. Um, well, good. Yeah, so we do have a pretty good episode today. We're just going to do a lot of um, broker conversation. I know that you wanted to talk a little bit about some of the team structures and some of the benefits of um, when you're look as a new agent when you're looking for a brokerage and what to look for. And and from the other standpoint, you know, I wanted to talk about explaining the difference between an agent, a broker, and a brokerage. I think. A lot of general consumers don't necessarily understand the dynamic of what goes into that relationship and who's actually representing them in a sale. So um, we're going to talk just some some broker stuff today, and it should be really fun. I know that you also have a little behind the scenes um, things that we could dive into as well. So um, yeah, should we get started? Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you get started on into explaining that broker real estate agent difference? That way we can dive into the the other nitty gritty stuff. Yeah. So uh, I think that you know um, when I'm working with consumers, a lot of times they'll refer to me as as their broker, and that's actually not necessarily true. I'm a licensed agent. I'm also the manager uh, of an office, so I've got a little bit of a higher um, degree as far as like overseeing other agents, but I'm not licensed as a broker. So there is a difference of uh, what what those things are. And I'll, I'll uh, give the caveat that I'm referring to how it works in the state of Ohio. I think it works the mm -hmm. same way in most states, but I think it's, you know, it could technically be different depending on the state. Um, but uh, the difference between a real estate agent and a broker, they could be the same thing, but they could be different. Um, and it's about the degree of licensing that you have. To be a licensed broker, you need to have more training. Um, and it also, you know, you have to have more training. And in Ohio, you have to have uh, more experience. Like you're, you're required to actually have a certain number of sales transactions before you can apply to become a broker. Um, so the difference is basically the level of knowledge and experience that you should have, although there's plenty of licensed uh, sales agents that have more experience than a licensed broker. Um, but being a broker means that you can have your own company and that you can have licensed real estate agents underneath you. So anytime that you are dealing with a real estate agent in Ohio, that agent has to have a broker you know, have their license with a broker. So technically, when 
your agent who is just a licensed salesperson helps you buy or sell a house, you're not just being represented by them, but you're being represented by their broker. And that broker is supposed to oversee the entire transaction of all of their agents and kind of ensure that their agents are operating correctly. Um, in a way, it's like their boss, but it's not really. I mean, because each individual agent, you know, operates on their own and, and you know, runs, the, you know, their own independent little real estate business. Um, but it's just a formality of, of how you have to operate as an agent. Um, but I think right. So I think it's interesting because, you know, a lot of people don't realize that there's that interaction. But the other thing that comes along with it is it typically means that the agent that you're working with has to share their commission with the broker because they're part of a company. So when you uh, go to sell your house and you see that your agent is charging you a certain commission amount that, you know, keep in mind that not, they're not taking 100% of that. A portion of that is going to their broker. Obviously, a portion of that, probably a large portion of that is going to pay taxes. Um, and then, of course, there's other fees and other things associated with being licensed. Um, but it's just something to keep in mind that your agent doesn't keep all of their commission. They have to share it with their company, usually, unless they are the broker as well. Right. And, and to your point about making sure that their agents are doing everything correctly, it's, it's legally, right? And I know for most offices, there's a compliance department to make sure that we are doing everything legally and the way it should be done. Um, that way, our butts are covered, the client's butts are covered, we have everything needed to run a legal um, transaction. So it kind of wraps up into the other point of, I, I'll discuss later, like for sale by owners thinking they need to use an attorney to make sure everything is okay. But we as agents have legal team behind us making sure that everything is running the way it should as well. Right. There's a higher level of liability for the broker mm -hmm. and um, a higher cost of insurance, uh, of E&O insurance, which every agent um, is required to have that. At least I know that in Ohio, I'm assuming it's mm -hmm. also true. It in is. Yep. Um, and whether they pay for it or they know they're paying for it, the broker is covering it at least. Um, but that is an important factor that, that, you know, when you're working with an agent, you should know that, um, you know, they have, they should have some form of insurance to cover them for making mistakes. Yeah. Cause I mean, we are human and they do happen and, and, you know, real estate school only teaches you so much about what not to do legally and not really a whole lot of other, how, how to apply it in your practice of being an actual real estate agent, you know, so it, it can happen. Mistakes happen. We are human. So it is nice to have, um, the brokerage, the team, um, behind you of making sure everything is done right, that you are covered. Um, and, and to understand mistakes can happen and how we can go through that. Yeah. So you mentioned team. I know that mm -hmm. you wanted to talk about teams. Do you want to dive into that? Yeah, sure. So um, I, I think a lot of clients or friends or just people who aren't in the industry don't really understand how, how it works. And especially if you're getting your license. I mean, I've talked to so many people who think real estate right now is a great time to dive into it. And I'm just like, what makes you say that? <laughs> because mm -hmm. yes, it's, it's, 
a hot topic. It's a crazy market, but it's not necessarily a great time to jump into it as a new agent. Um, it's, it's tough. It's really tough. Even experienced agents are having a really hard time getting clients under contract and getting listings, which means even longer to get paid, as we've talked about before. Um, but if you are getting your license and you're kind of not sure what to do because, okay, you've got your license, but now what do I do? Um, Meeting with brokerages is super important. Um, it's not just a place to hang your license. This is a place that most likely is going to take some kind of money from you, right? So they want your business. They want you. You are interviewing the brokerage, so to say. And you want to make sure that they are going to bring value to you, that they're going to support you, that they're going to educate you, that they're going to train you on what the real world is like as a real estate agent. Mm -hmm. um, and there's lots of different factors that come into that. Meet like, meaning for an example, the, the split, the fee that we're giving them per transaction. Now, excuse me, each brokerage is a little different on how they do their splits. You know, um, I was with Keller Williams, um, just recently made a change, but I was with Keller Williams for three years and their split is a little bit larger and a lot of people think it's expensive. They bring great value. They are perfect for when you're just getting your license. Um, they have a really in-depth training program of real life work on how to be a realtor, how to negotiate contracts, how to do all these things because back to my point of you don't know what to do once you get your license, you don't even see a contract in the class. Right. You don't you don't see a contract how to how to write an offer the whole time you're going through school. So after you get your license, you're very excited to work with people, but you don't know what to do. So having a brokerage that is going to bring value and training you and educating you and taking time for mentorship is it is really important. Um, and so to say that. Go there's going to be a fee. There's going to be a charge for that. And I know for Keller Williams, it's standard of 30% um, goes to them and 70% goes to you. Every commission check. Um, they do have a thing called capping. So once you hit a certain um, point in sales and in volume, you get 100% of that until your next anniversary date. Um, but that's 30% of your check is going to that value. So you hope that it will bring the value that you need, but it is important as a new agent. Yeah, um, and I remember, so the, the spectrum of, of what a brokerage does, what they provide and what it costs you as an agent is, is huge. You know, I've seen uh, up to 50% commission splits and you know, as low as just a couple hundred dollars a transaction. Um, so it's a huge range and what you, you know, there should be, there isn't always, but there should be a trade-off between um, the amount that you're paying or splitting with the brokerage and uh, the, the help they're providing you to operate your business and to, you know, to support your customers and things like that. But I remember when I first got licensed, uh, Keller Williams was seen as like a, a lower split, you know, a, a better deal than some of these other like old school brokerages that were at an even higher amount. And it just shows to what's happening in the marketplace. The, the commission suppression in the marketplace is such that that, is, that structure is now like the old school way. And uh, the new school is um, more nimble brokerages that are 
you know, providing ways to add value to their agents without charging them, you know, astronomical fees. Um, while the broker who may or may not be heavily involved is obviously earning a lot of money on each individual agent's sales. Um, yeah. So I know that we can't, like you did dive into the, the Keller Williams model a little bit. There's tons of different models and different ways. And I don't, I don't know that we could really dive into all the different um, varieties, but when you were, so you recently made a, comp, a switch in, in brokerages, when you were going through that process, you know, talk about what you looked for and what, um, what people may not realize goes into this part of the process. Yeah. So it's, it's, it can be intimidating to leave a brokerage. It's like leaving a job, right? And it's scary and you want to make sure it's the, it's the right move. Um, before I left the brokerage, I, I also was on a team um, under Keller Williams. So that was a whole process of leaving the team. It was hard to do, but I had to do what was best for me because that split was also a lot underneath the Keller Williams split. So yeah. not yeah. only was I getting a split from Keller Williams, I was also having to split a portion of that to my team lead. So I was not getting much at the end of the day um, because, you know, split upon split, it kind of felt like paycheck to paycheck. So once this market started kind of hitting where it was harder to get people under contract, I was like, I need every every dollar I can get to make it last. Yeah. Um, so I left the team last May. And then in the last couple of months, I kind of went through another growing season where I, I felt that again. I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm giving so much money to Keller Williams. Um, and I, I can't afford to. I can't afford to lose money. I mean, they're great. But at the same time, I wasn't really getting much value for that money at this point. So I um, had a friend who left as well. And she said nothing but great things about the brokerage we're with now, which is Realty One Group. Um, she said that the a lot of people had formed it from Keller Williams, so it kind of has the same model, same support system, same um, same value, same education, but it's a fee instead of a whole split. Um, so it does vary on the sales price. So if it's like 400,000, it's a fee like $450. If it's 900,000, it's like $950, which is still better than 30% of my check. Um, so I had to kind of think about, okay, well, obviously this is going to be a good financial decision, but what am I going to get out of it still? I still want the team. I still, I still want um, support. I still want to be educated. I want to be a better agent. Um, so will this brokerage also provide value for me in that way? Um, and after kind of going to a couple of meetings, because most brokerages will invite you in to take a look at what they have to offer before you sign up. Um, so I did that. I took advantage of that. I took advantage of their, every Thursday they have a lunch and learn. So they bring in a person that's in the industry to educate us on something we should know about. Um, and I felt value right away. I felt like, wow, like I've been in the mark, uh, the industry for three years and I never knew that. Like I, I could already see the value in it. So it was, it kind of just all lumped up into being a really great decision financially, um, personal development, you know, career growth. I could see the vision of, of what I wanted and that's what made that decision easy for me. Well, you know, so that's, I mean, I'm glad we talked about it, obviously, like off, off the podcast and, and stuff. But yeah, I'm glad you are in a good position. But one thing I'd like to point out about the, this topic is that as the, uh, 
as the commissions change and the splits change, it just, in my opinion, it just brings the um, burden, uh, the financial burden into a different aspect. So, you know, for example, Keller Williams is charging you all this money or other large brokers are charging mm-hmm. all this money and they tell you they're giving you certain things that help you operate and help you help your customers or your clients, I should say. And uh, at the end of the day, if you switch to a company that's providing you, you know, that's charging you less, you know, they're probably providing you some things, but it also brings that financial burden over to you. So now there's probably certain things that you're going to do, certain costs, certain things that you're going to pay for that, um, that you didn't before. Most likely, I mean, I recognize the same thing when I, when I changed brokerages, you know, years ago was I was already investing in my business in different ways, spending marketing dollars on certain things, spending, you know, buying different platforms that would help me, you know, with my business. And maybe that other broker was already providing it. I didn't like what they were providing Mm -hmm. or just wasn't using it. And so I was really just transitioning and I was already spending money out of pocket. So now I'm just getting rid of their stuff that I was paying for, but not using and just getting my own stuff. So my point is you're just, you're shifting that financial burden and you're making your own financial decisions. Now it's better. In my opinion, it's better that way. But I guess the other point I'll make is that the the large brokerage, the large the brand name isn't really impacting your ability to successfully help your clients. At the yeah. end of the day, you as an individual agent, regardless of what brokerage you're with, you have the ability to obtain the same tools and to operate your business in the same way regardless of which company you're at. It might be a different way you get there you know, who's paying for what and and what services are being provided. But at the end of the day, like, it doesn't matter if you're with Keller Williams or ATR or Remax or who are, what are some other big companies you guys have down in Florida? Uh, We have Caldwell Banker. Mm -hmm. We have Century 21, um, Berkshire Hathaway, which I think was in Ohio. Is it not? Yeah. Yeah. those are kind of like the big ones. Compass now is kind of taking over Tampa's market. We're getting a lot of um, Compass is kind of like showing up and showing their face. Mm-hmm. Um, but to to that point, I remember thinking, and I had said this before about when I was offered to leave a couple of years ago that I didn't feel ready to leave because I didn't feel established enough for people to respect me as an agent without the Keller Williams name which is a lie, you know, to myself, it was a limiting belief for myself. Of course I could do, I could show and earn respect regardless of who I'm with. Mm -hmm. But I felt like, well, this name is such a big name that people recognize it. So they'll want to work with me because of that. And that was just such a a lie because most of my business comes from social media, comes from referrals, comes from my sphere of influence. And they probably don't even know who I'm with. Right. And the reality is, is this is a good topic because um, I have this conversation with my agents all the time, being that my company is relatively small. I mean, we're only in Ohio and Northern Kentucky right now. Um, so we're not nearly like a national brand by any means. And I know that the company you just joined is also more of a local 
a, a very stable, good brokerage, but a local company. It's um, actually not. We're actually all over the country. You, you are? Okay. I yeah, you, I yeah. Okay. But it, well, but it is, it is much smaller. It's much smaller. It's in okay. the, it's in, yeah, yeah. But the point, the point that I'm getting towards is that, um, yeah, there is, it, it's solely dependent on the person that is, that is operating, you know, the agent themselves, because the reality is the brand name isn't doing anything for, for that, that, I mean, they might be doing things, but they're not the ones working with the consumer. They're not the mm -hmm. ones that are driving what's happening. So it doesn't matter if you're with a large company or a small company, um, that, sh that might, that could change the perception of the consumer, which is the point I'm trying to get to is that it, it shouldn't matter whether the agent you're working with is with a, a small company or a large company. It's, it's about the agent themselves and their ability to how they conduct themselves and how they operate their business and how they're adding value to you as a buyer or a seller. The, the end of the day, it's very rare that that large brand name is actually adding any more value than the smaller company that in some cases a smaller company may be adding more value to you as the end consumer. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. Um, and I'm glad that we're touching on that because it is again, like a lie. I believe that I have to stick around with this so that people respect me. They know that I'm serious or whatever else that, you know, that limiting belief was. Um, and when you meet with the client, you're selling yourself. That is it. You are selling yourself and that the ability that you can do this and handle this regardless of who you're working with. And if they see what a rock star agent you are, they're going to think, okay, well, this brokerage obviously knows how to pick awesome agents because you're awesome. You know, you're educated, you, you know, you handle yourself well. And even if you're brand new, fake it till you make it like act like you're the professional because back to the teams and back to the brokerage, like, that's your team and support. You know, if you don't, if, if you don't have numbers, like I remember I was told this, if you haven't sold anything yet, your brokerage has talk about the numbers that your brokerage has done. Talk about the numbers that your team has done because you are part of that team. So mm -hmm. even if you haven't sold a deal yet, you haven't got to the closing table yet, your team has, your brokerage has, and just bring in those facts and don't let anybody make you feel insecure, you know, of being a new agent because you haven't sold anything yet. Mm -hmm. You, if you have the drive and you have the motivation and you have the abilities and the tools and the resources, you're going to, you're going to do well and, and be confident in that. And I think just to, just to one more um, point and that is, being on a team and, and talking about those expensive as being part of the team, just like the brokerage, there should be value. There should be support. Now, if you don't want to be on a team yet because you, you want to try it on your own for a little bit first or you don't want to spend the money you know, on that split, the brokerage has other realtors. Realtors are your friends. Realtors are your support. There's plenty of Facebook groups. There's plenty, you know, every brokerage nowadays has a forum on Facebook that you can ask a question, agents will answer. Um, I know that there's 10 that I'm a part of and there's probably a hundred more I'm not of mm -hmm. picking brains of realtors nearby and we're, we're all in this together. We all come through situations that are bizarre that maybe I haven't come across but you have and we're all in this together. So just don't be afraid to ask other agents um, and, and utilize that support. Yeah, to your point, just have a 
have a structure of, of people that you can rely on um, and consider, you know, mentorship or, you know, training from, from those other agents that, um, you know, that you, if you are leaning on them to, you know, to say that, you know, you, you're a part of their business, then, you know, make sure that you're actually, you, you know, tapping into their knowledge and their resources too, because at the end of the day, like it's about getting, the right thing for the for the end consumer the person who's buying or selling a house or leasing a property or whatever it might be yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> so it's... so you um you just made the switch you're obviously like very passionate about it which is great um i had gone through that process years before that and i know that even at that time you and i discussed you know, because you were like, should I join a team? Should I go on my own? I think you were on your own, then you joined a team, and then you went back on your own, correct? Yes. Yeah. The way I did it was I was on a team, um, and then I went on my own, just like you did, and then I went to my other brokerage after that, and then I became manager and kind of went up from there. So um, it, it, it's all about experience and um, figuring out where you fit well. I mean, not every person is going to operate great in a broker in a broker that's more of an independent, you know, entrepreneurial environment. And and on the flip side, um, not every agent is going to operate great in a very heavily structured brokerage. Mm -hmm. So you've got to figure out what fits best for you. And financially is is really important too. Uh, because there are a lot of companies out there that are going to be charging you money that they're not, they're just not flat out, not providing value. Um, right. But you have to figure out what's valuable to you as an agent. And that will, yeah. you know, that should ultimately help your decision. Yeah, absolutely. And I, um, I actually was just talking with another agent who's newer. She was kind of um, my mentee in at Keller Williams. And um, I walked through the switch with her and I said, listen, like at the end of the day, it's a brokerage, you know, you have to do what's best for you. It's just like, it's, it's honestly better than a job because they have a million other agents, right? If you say this fit isn't for me, I got to go somewhere else, go somewhere else. Like there's a hundreds of brokerages. You got to do what's best for you. If it's not a fit, it's not a fit. Go somewhere else. You know, just you are a business. You have to run as the business and you have to make sure that you're taken care of as that business. And if your needs aren't being met, whether it's financial, whether it's education, whether it's value, whatever value is important to you, check out other mm -hmm. options because you have that ability. It's, it's, you run your own ship, do it how you please. So having just made a switch, your clients that you're currently working with, whether they're, you know, sellers coming up soon or, um, and I saw you posted a really nice little house that you, no, that, uh, that, um, I was laughing at that post about the, uh, Thank doll you. House. the dollhouse. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm getting off, to, uh, I'm getting off topic. Um, the, your clients, your buyers, your sellers that are coming up, have they, have you had conversations with them about your switch? What did they say? You know, tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually did have a conversation with one of my clients I've been working with for a while. And I, I did tell them that just so you know, I did make a switch. Um, I, we, it's a different system. So when it comes to writing an offer, it might take like 10 minutes longer than usual just to kind of figure it out, but um, to have patience because I'm a quick learner and it'll probably get done fast, but I'm pretty transparent. Like 
I will, I'm going to do this offer for you, but I just made this switch. Um, and they were happy for me. They, they said, what, what brought that decision? And I, I was very honest. I said, you know, I just, I kind of have to take care of me. There's some things that I found value more valuable in this new brokerage and I'm really excited about it. There's a ton of support and I'm really, really looking forward to it. And they were super happy for me. It didn't, didn't affect anything. Yeah. And I think that's what most people would find. I mean, I was in the same, same boat um, when I did that. And, you know, everybody that I worked with had said, you know, whether they said it, you know, just like this, or, you know, I just knew that, it was, you know, they're working with you because of the value you add. They're not working with that company. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, if you're providing value to your clients, um, you know, most of what agents do is, you know, is about their knowledge, about their experience, about their, their level of customer service and their, you know, their systems and processes in place too to provide better customer service. But at the end of the day, there the most of the time the consumer is working with you because of you, not because mm-hmm. of the, a, a brand name or a company or a logo or anything like that. Right, um, absolutely. And if you're making a switch to add value to yourself to be a better agent, what client is it going to want to mm-hmm. stand by you on that? That you have goals, that you have motivation, that you never want to stop learning, that you're not stagnant as you are. You know, I feel yeah. like that earns respect a little bit. Yeah, it, it sure, certainly should. And I don't think I've ever heard from any of the agents that have switched, um, you know, over to my office that they that they got negative feedback from a client saying like, no, no, I'm going to stick with that company and just find a random person. Nobody's doing that. They're not choosing random people. They're choosing you to represent them. Absolutely. Um, so, um, all right. So let's, let's, Switch gears a little bit. You wanted to talk a little behind the scenes. Um, tell us a little bit about the situation that you and I discussed earlier. Yeah. So I know I've talked about for sale by owners briefly in, in the beginning episodes. Um, I'm kind of dealing with one right now. Um, it was posted on Facebook Marketplace, which is an interesting tactic of places to look now for a house, you know, especially for sale by owners. Um, and we message the the seller and they're not paying realtor fees they're not paying realtor commissions which is why they wanted to sell by owner and do it their way um and if this was any other client that probably would be very frustrating but this is for my mom so i want to do whatever i can to get this deal done i am willing not to get paid um and you know if i really had to get a deal done for my client I probably would do the same, but for my mom, especially I'm like, fine. Like I don't want a commission. I just want them to get into a house. So, um, I was fine with that, but, um, I'm sure most agents probably wouldn't be if they knew they weren't going to get paid and the amount of work that you have to do for sale by owner is not, it's not little, No, like it's I mean, double the work. You're taking on more work. Yeah. I mean, what I would say is probably, you know, I know this is true for me and probably for the average agent is they're going to do what's what they need to do to help the child, the client achieve their goal. You know, I would always want a client to come to me and say, Hey, this is for sale by owner. Or maybe I found the for sale by owner mm-hmm. and I showed it to them regardless. You know, if this is the right fit, um, you know, first step is we're, we're going to make sure that, that if you want this property, we do everything we can to help you get this property. But, Second step is, yes, I'm going to try to negotiate a commission or some compensation into it because I don't work for free. 
After that, if they refuse, then we'll have a conversation about what has to happen. Is, the, is my client going to help compensate me? It's probably not going to be a full commission, but maybe it will be something to at least compensate my time. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe this, maybe we can somehow work in something for the seller. So at the end of the day, we're not going to let the compensation get in the way. Um, but it, depending on the, the size of the deal and the scope of the transaction, there might be some where we would have to say, you know, I have to step away from this. I can't be involved because the liability is too high for me to, to take on that risk without receiving any compensation. But sometimes yeah. there might be a situation where we say, you know, I'm going to help you through this. I understand that my compensation is limited, but we're going to do what I'm going to do, whatever I can do to just make it work. Uh, But I will tell you this, almost any for sale by owner transaction I've been involved with, they have been willing to, in some form or another, you know, negotiate a compensation to the buyer's agent, you know, and almost, I would say, nine times out of 10 with a for sale by owner, they know they're going to pay a buyer's agent, even if they're mm-hmm. not paying a listing agent. So this yeah, one you're yeah. dealing with, I know they're, they're telling you no on that. And it's your mom, you're going to do whatever you've got to do. And, and even if it wasn't your mom, you would probably ultimately do whatever you needed to help that client get into that property. But it doesn't mean that you can't try to get earn your compensation. And hopefully at the end of the day, it comes full circle. So even if you work for free, you know, maybe it'll come back around to you in the end, that client will refer you more business or something like that. I completely agree. I I totally believe that my, my efforts, my selflessness, my, 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 I don't want to say selflessness, but you know what I mean? Like, I believe that if I'm doing this because I truly have a desire to help my client, it will come back around for me where I'll get a slam dunk. I'll make double the money, you know, it, mm-hmm. and it kind of just will, it'll end up working out for me, just like you said. So I do believe that. I, I think that it can be hard to negotiate a, a deal. It's very, it's a risky text as I call those. Like, you know, you're like, Oh, <laughs> um, but we do it. And, um, I, I have received, well, for the most part, I have, you know, said, listen, like, you know, I'm just looking to see if this is something we can negotiate. It has been, um, for this one, that's like, honestly, not even the, the biggest gripe. I don't, I don't necessarily want to say gripe, but, um, they're, they obviously don't know what they're doing. Number one, number two, there's like three hands that are involved that have to make decisions and they don't live locally. So there's also that. Very complex. Very complex. The seller is the middleman who should be a real estate agent. And she's like trying to coordinate getting my offer, sending it to the people that need to, you know, also review it. Um, Not really understanding, kind of having to pull teeth, all the things that she shouldn't have to stress about. If you just list with an agent, it takes all that pressure away. Um, And she doesn't understand that there's deadlines for acceptance there's, um, you know, we also aren't just going to wait around. Like it, it, it got to the point where we were past our date of acceptance. We're waiting, um, on the Facebook marketplace, somebody asked if it was available, like a family friend asked if it was still available. And she said, yeah, it's available. We do have an offer, which is true. But at the same time, like, okay, it's, it's just, it's shady. It doesn't make you feel good. Does it make you feel confident in the deal? 
But if you had an agent to handle all of this, one, it's less stressful. Two, that person knows what they're doing. And you're, you really are losing out on making more money by saying you don't want to pay because if you put it on the MLS, you get a lot more attention. You get a lot more money. It's worth the value of just paying for it because if you list it for this and you accept an offer for this, most likely you could have accepted an offer for much more in this market and been able to pay your agents mm -hmm. and have some money. Um, um, so that, that's been frustrating. I want to unpack this a little bit. So... <laughs> If you're okay with that, you don't. Have, if you if you can't disclose anything, then that's okay. But yeah. um, so it doesn't sound to me something seems uh, amiss with this situation. In this in Ohio, if you do not own the property, you cannot negotiate on behalf of or represent somebody else unless you are a licensed agent. So mm -hmm. the so what's happening with this person is either they shouldn't be involved. Or maybe are you know maybe they're wholesaling it, which that's another topic we could get into. Do you know the dynamic of what it is? Yeah, so it's a husband and wife and a brother. So it's getting Do the all brother have ownership in the house. Um, I don't believe the wife that I've been communicating with does. It's the husband, the brother, and some other like very like honestly a minor. Um, so it's getting the husband to look at the offer and to sign it and then getting the brother to look at the offer and sign it. And then they want to have their attorney look at the offer and, and, you know, look over everything. And it, that, you know, we weren't accept, expecting that when we submit an offer and it's just kind of made us feel like, is this something stable? Yeah. Like, is this something that we should really put our eggs in all this basket. Like we like the little place. It's really cute, but this doesn't make us feel warm and fuzzy. Um, and it's taken longer to get an answer and we're still so interested. So we don't want to say like our offer is completely like off the table, but I did threaten it. I did say, listen, like it's now been two days past our acceptance date. Technically our offer isn't valid anymore, but we are still interested. So if you want to, if you want, I will have them elect, I will have it to where the, all parties of the selling side can sign electronically so we can get this deal done because she wanted to have it printed off and have everybody sign it an old school way, which only takes longer if you got to nail down Joe dirt over here, you know, John Doe from here. So I kind of had to put a little fire under her, but that we don't have time to wait and we're kind of starting to feel like we should back off. And she replied to give her until today until Monday. So We'll see, we'll see how it plays out. It sounds very convoluted. Um, and hey, if it's a good house, then you should pursue it. But I'll tell you one thing. My gut says do not waive your inspections. Oh, we're not. <laughs> I, yeah, it just something, something doesn't seem right about it. Um, I mean, we talked about this on another episode. You know, this, you, this past 12 months, more people have hired agents than ever before. So less for sale by owners than ever before because it's just a really hard market to navigate through and do things above board. And that person is definitely subjecting themselves to lawsuits with the way that they're handling this, especially if something goes wrong. Um, and you know, maybe nothing will and everything will, you'll close on it and everybody will be happy, but there's just a lot of, a lot of things that I would have questions about with that. Um, it doesn't it be, be with the marital relationship. 
it doesn't sound like, um, it just sounds very, uh, like I said, convoluted, but it doesn't sound like it would be like a wholesaling situation, Yeah. which, you know, I don't know what, if you deal with that a lot in, in uh, Florida, in Columbus and in Ohio, there's, there's a lot of people wholesaling properties. And what that means is um, the, the person makes an offer on a property with a, with a clause in the offer that says they can assign the contract to another person. So I could say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer you $100,000 for your house, but I have the right to assign this to another buyer who could actually come in as long as they pay what I offered or more, then, then you know, the deal goes through. Um, and there's a very fine line for that because technically you can do that, but when you do that, when you put that contract on that property, you have the contract for the house. You do not represent the seller. You do not have the right to advocate on their behalf, to go out and try to resell. Basically, you're trying to resell that contract to somebody else, but you don't have the right to market it as a licensed agent because you're not a licensed agent. You don't have the right to represent the seller or the house as somebody who's a fiduciary to them. So mm-hmm. uh, the concept of it is you would put that contract on it, then you'd flip it to somebody else who would pay more and you would net the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very, uh, there's a lot of gray areas and you could definitely get yourself in a lot of trouble misrepresenting who you are in that transaction. Um, and I've seen it sometimes where people will post a for sale by owner on online somewhere and I'll contact them about it and they'll say, oh yeah, I don't own the house. Like I'm just wholesaling it. And to me, like that is technically that's illegal because you cannot market it as your property and as, as if you're selling it like you were an agent. You can't do that. It's not legal. Um, yeah. there's gray areas and maybe there's ways you can get around it. At the end of the day, if my client or I want to buy that property, I'm not going to initially bring up an issue. I'm going to try to see what I can do to navigate it and get to a closing. But after that, I might have to look at what, what other uh, things are out there. Cause we have to try to protect the consumer, you know, that's what these laws are about. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And it's just kind of like, you're not going to go to a doctor in a basement of a house, you know, it's probably not going to make you feel good. So maybe just get what you pay for and get the professional to help you. Yeah. And almost every time you're going to, you're going to exceed that value anyways, when you hire a professional, especially a good one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that is a very interesting situation. I'm glad you shared it and uh, we will maybe have to hear how, what happens from here on another episode because it sounds yeah. like uh, you've got a long way to go on it. I'm, I'm praying so hard that it will end up just working out that it's just, you know, and I, I feel for this wife who has to kind of communicate with a million other people who's forced into kind of like showing the house and, and getting, you know, this stuff. Cause that's not fun, but I do hope it's just kind of like a little interesting dynamic, but we will get to the closing table. Um, so yeah, I will definitely keep you posted. Do you have any behind the scenes? Um, I do not have anything that would top that one. That was fun. Um, <laughs> uh, but we had, we had a good weekend here. Uh, put a, a listing under contract. Um, had a lot of buyers out looking. So um, now, 
That's yeah, great. it's great. Uh, the market is still fast paced. Uh, the property we put out, um, there was another house in the neighborhood, very similar, was on the market 35 days and actually went off the market. And I was very curious as to what happened. We listed ours a couple of days later and, and instantly had multiple offers. So um, I'm not sure. I noticed with this other house, I noticed there was some showing restrictions, some restrictions about um, possession after closing and the, mm. the time, the seller's time frame. So there's probably some conflict there with that person who owned that other property, which was the result of why. But I was mm -hmm. very curious to see how it would work out. Um, knock on wood that the that it, it ends up closing. But right now we got a very favorable deal for our clients. So. That's awesome! Congratulations. Yeah. Um, so I guess that'll that'll suffice as my behind the scenes for the yeah. week. Um, and uh, we'll, I guess we'll take it from here and um, reconvene next week with another episode, some more great content. Yeah, I'm excited to see how the story unfolds for us this week. Hopefully, we'll have some great news to share next week. All right, perfect. Well, we will talk to you then. See you, Rob. See you next time.